How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand. They will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Psalm 1. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to be together, to come together as a community to celebrate what it is you've done in the last couple years, both individually and corporately as a community, as a family. And I pray and I thank you in advance, first of all, God everything you've done and everything you will continue to do for you. Love your church. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be the church, not go to church, not attend a church, but to be your church, to be your family. God, I pray that you would bless this community, that you would help us to truly love and care for one another, that you would use us in great ways to make disciples who will go make disciple makers. God, each of us would see the call that you've given to us and take it seriously. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to give, and for those who can, I thank you, God. God, I pray you would take our offering and that you would use it in a great way, that you would multiply it for effectiveness with regards to your kingdom advancing, that people would come to know Jesus. God, take, a, take it and do greater things than we could ever imagine, and so we, we want you to be blessed by it, but we want you to bless it. Help, us, help those of us who have responsibility over it to be above reproach, to hear your heart, to give toward what you want given toward, that we'd be generous in the things that you want us to be generous with. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that Katrina has found a new place to live. We thank you for your provision of that, and I pray that, that her, her new place to live would be a haven, um, a place that only you and her Um, enjoy one another's company, her and her family and friends who come over, they would be blessed by it. We thank you, God, that in all things, even reading that, God, it's a reminder in all things you provide for your kids, and for that I give you thanks. Father, we want to pray for Joseph, who has a job interview coming up, and we pray, God, I thank you that you have your will. You will accomplish everything that you want to accomplish, but I pray you'd prepare him for that. And I thank you for everything that you'll do in and through it, and growing him more and more in the likeness of Jesus. God, I pray your favor. God, I pray that if this is of you, I pray and I thank you that it will come about. Father, we pray for little, uh, we pray for little Octavia, who's two, and who's in the hospital because of seizures. We pray for healing over her body, God. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you do a great work in that little body? Would you free her from that, what it is that she's experienced? Would you be with her parents, God? Would you help Oh, how their, how, how their hearts have to just be so heavy. God, would you please do a great work? Would you do something today that would leave the medical staff speechless and that would bring you ultimate honor and glory? God, there's someone who wrote down that they have a lot of meetings that are important this week, and I pray, God, that you give wisdom and discernment in those meetings. God, that great decisions would come about that would be effective for their business, and then ultimately, God, that would impact others. God, now as we open your word, I pray that you would speak in a way that leaves us in awe of who you are, that God, you would remind us of why it is that you've called us, what it is the church is supposed to be about, 
that you give us a fresh vision and excitement for why we gather and what this community is supposed to be doing. God, again, we thank you for two years together. We thank you for many more. As you see fit, God, we thank you that your will will be done. And so, God, as we open your word, I pray that you would keep us humble, humble to receive instruction. God, don't let me say anything that's of a personal agenda in any way, but only about the kingdom and only focused on Jesus. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. <clears throat> All right. Well, if you've been around with us for a while, you hopefully have heard at least a little bit of this. And those of you who aren't, this is what we're about. I mean, I've, uh, God has allowed me to be in some type of vocational position or role within a church community for about 30 years. Uh, a good chunk of it was with youth ministry and then young adults and then getting to do this. And, and, I, and there, was a, there was a season, and I don't think it was evident to everyone, but I do know my own soul, and I know what it is that I struggled with and how, I, how it is that I wanted to live. And I kind of bought into the, I just want to be as big as possible and speak in all these massive big places and whatever it takes to get there. And, and then the church is supposed to multiply 22 times every year, and that's when you know you're being effective. And then I really had to work through some of this the, these thoughts that have come through my mind. But then looking at the scriptures of what is the church supposed to be? And we've used phrases like, are you going to go to church? Are you coming to church? And the church has just kind of turned into a Sunday morning. And we come to, we do, we do our thing. This is what we're supposed to do. And then hopefully if we do our thing and we spend enough time and we don't fall asleep during the message, because that's when you know you're super spiritual. And that's when the pastor knows that he's not boring. So I'm watching. But when you do all that stuff, I, if I fulfill the hour and a half or so, then God will bless me this next week with all the things that I've ever wanted. Or if I just apply the pages of the Bible, then I'll experience the better life, and, and yet is it void of actually loving Jesus more? Guys, the whole point of our worship gathering is not, hey, give me some snippets of what it is that I can do to make my life better. There's an, there's an overflow of that, but the reason that we come together to gather to worship Jesus is to worship Jesus. The worship gathering is a worship, it's a gathering of followers of Jesus to gather and worship the Lord. I feel like a lot of times it kind of turns into like a self-help thing sometimes. The churches can just, messages can be so driven by, here's how you can have, here's four steps to the best life. Here's 22 steps to the best marriage. Here's 22 and a half steps to the best financial life. Guys, what if we pull back from that? We read the pages of scripture. We look in Revelation where there's a lamb sitting on a throne and a hundred billion angels, a hundred million angels are surrounding the throne in worship and all the saints of old are in worship of Jesus. What if we, the church, emulated that? As it is in heaven, we want it to be here on earth. Maybe the purpose of the church is to be so simple. See, we're based upon two great teachings or two great statements of Jesus. And I really think that every church is supposed to be about this. And it's not arrogance. I just think it comes from the pages of the Bible. I think we're all supposed to be based upon the great commandment and the great commission. Those two greats. And the rest of it? Okay, but if we're not doing those two things, then what are we doing? And so as I've looked at, hey, what is the, what's, the role of a, what's the role of a shepherd or a pastor, an overseer or elder, however you want to use the word, overseer and elder, what's my job, what's my role? It's to care for you. Guys, it's not to build the church. I can't build anything. All I can do is care about you, the church. 
And then when we come together to dive into his word and to teach the scriptures the best that I can and throughout the week, how are things going? And to check in and to make sure you're cared for as you're going out into all the places that God has for you to impact the world and to make disciples. Guys, it's not about building the church, it's about caring for the church. It's about caring for Jesus' bride. And that as I accept their role and those who are in that, that leadership role with me, as we take that and say, hey, we're gonna care for the church. We're gonna take care of those whom God has entrusted to us. That prayerfully when you come here, you're encouraged, you're challenged, and then you go back out. And every day you're asking God, who's the one? Who's the one you want me to impact? Who's the one that you want me to make a disciple maker? And we all have these seasons where it's mountaintop experiences with the Lord and I should celebrate with you. Man, enjoy those times. And then we're all gonna face some really hard situations in life, right? And then to come alongside and go, okay, but we can do this, hang in there, just point us back to Jesus, point us back to scripture. And then as we continue to live for the glory of Jesus, we have to understand this, friends. And that's, this has come out as a huge reminder as I've been looking, in the, in looking through the Bible reading plan, looking in the Bible. Guys, we have a spiritual enemy. And maybe for some, you sit and go, I don't want to talk about it. I'll talk about it. Jesus brings it up. The scriptures bring it up. And we're introduced to him in the chapter three of the Bible. And friends, we have to understand that he is powerful. No, no, no. Greater is he who is in me who is than, than he who is in the world. So true. But Jesus is greater than him. But it doesn't mean the enemy doesn't have great power. He's really good at what he does. Friends, he's had thousands and thousands and thousands of years to perfect it. For those of you who've experienced how it is that he works, he just kind of slithers in. It's a luring tactic. Friends, I want to make sure that we understand we have an enemy. And as you face those spiritual attacks and you face those discouragement or those worries that just overwhelm you, my role, just come alongside what? Point us back to Jesus. Point us back to Jesus. Just give us back to Jesus. I can't fix anything. I couldn't fix it if I wanted to. I can keep pointing to the Jesus who can and who will and who does and who did. We go back to two great teachings that Jesus gave, two great statements. In Mark chapter 12, Verse 28, as you're turning there, I want, to just, I want to read to you our mission statement. It's simply this, the mission of Ignite City Church is to love God, to love people, and to make disciples who make disciple makers. That's it. We're going to love God, love people, and make disciples who make disciple makers. Friends, for the longest time, this is what ran through my mind. What the church is about, just reach the lost. It is so true, reach the lost. But isn't it amazing? When we look in this passage, the greatest commandment is often overlooked it's often overlooked in the mission of the church. The greatest, the most important thing that I could ever do. Listen to what it is that Jesus says in verse 28 of Mark 12. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, asking Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, and, and, I'm sorry, Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Friends, right when he said that, every pious Jewish person would hear him say that and go, I know what you're talking about. It's known as the Shema. It's to listen. That word Shema means to listen. So when Jesus says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, start with this. Believe and know that there is one God. And according to what we see the scriptures teaching, there is 
Three persons, all who make up one God. All God and yet separate and yet united. You sit there and go, I don't get it. I know. Guys, do you, ever, do you really want to give up your life and worship a being that makes complete sense to you? And maybe it's for some of you who say, but Brian, that's a cop-out. If you're not a follower of Jesus, that's a cop-out. If it doesn't make sense, then why is it that you would give up your life for it? I don't know that I would give up my life and my everything for everything that made sense to me because I'm not that bright and I don't want something that I'm gonna give my life up for to not be more impressive than me. And at what point did I then become the standard of how awesome and glorious and perfect and limitless God should be? Why is it that my understanding of who God is now dictates whether or not God can really be any different than I am? Is that not just idolatry? So that's my response. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And what should I do with this one God? And you shall watch. Love the Lord your God. That's the first one. Out of everything that God could say, I just want you to love me. That's all he's saying to us. If you just break it down to the first, the most important thing, God's not saying, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. He's not saying, don't do these things. He's like, the most important thing out of anything in this massive book is just love him. Love him, fall in love with him. Enjoy him, enjoy being with him. The greatest thing, his heart's desire is that we, his people, would just love him. With what? And he goes on, he explains it because it's from the scriptures. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He says, I just want you to love me with everything you've got. Everything in you. I want you to love me. So in a room with this many people, there are some of you that you, you connect God. There's like an emotional thing a lot of times. When you come into a worship gathering, you feel it, right? You're just like, I just feel it. And my heart's just pumping for me. I just feel it. Then there's others of you, you're more on the logical side. And you're like, I don't feel a lot of what you're feeling. So how do I love him with everything I have? Isn't it beautiful that God sits there and goes, I want you to love me with every single feeling. I want you to love me with every single thought. I want you to love me with your mind. Guys, it's not just this experience thing. It's like, I want you to love me with, my, with your mind. Some of you guys just have these brilliant minds. And God says, I want you to love me with that. Like, I want you to think deeply about me. And I want you to think deeply with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Everything that makes up who you are. This is what Jesus says. This is the greatest commandment. And then he says, and I'll give you a second one. Oh, you little overachiever. Little teacher's pet. No, this is, he says the second one is this. You shall love your neighbors yourself. Some of you said, I go, well, I like one of my neighbors. I like that one. I don't like the other one. As if you only get two. Remember when Jesus was asked the question, well, who's my neighbor? I think it's the story that was the passage of the Good Samaritan. There's this hatred between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. And isn't it just like Jesus to make sure that he picks the one who's hated by the Jewish people to be the hero of the story? Like, I want, you to, I want you to be a neighbor. Everyone is your neighbor. Every person on the planet is your neighbor. And I bring this up a lot, and I, it still hits me, and I'm just praying, God, let me release some of this stuff. But I'm telling you, this morning, on my way to D group, I'm just driving cruise control. I'm slowing down. I, guys, this is the thing I'm trying to... Guys, this used to be my motto. I would go the speed limit-ish on the way to the speed limit I actually thought was godly. 
Anybody here with me? It's like, I got a, I'm on a mission from God. And for some of you, we can tell. Like when all of a sudden, you're just punches like, I'm on a mission from God. Anyway, okay, so now I've slowed down. I'm confessing sin, but I'm, con- I'm confessing to you. So I'm just poking along, cruise control, I'm just loving life. And I see a car and there's me and this guy up here. We're just trucking along. And there's no room in the car. I saw it right behind me. It comes to the right and he's going for it. And this is why I said, don't, as if the person can hear me, don't you dare cut me off. The dude cut me off and my hand went for the horn. Oh, it was going to be a good one. It wasn't going to be a, uh uh-uh, I see you. It's okay. Man, I was going to make sure that person knew when they zoomed by me and probably didn't even hear it. Man, I was going to let, and then I'd stop. He's like, I don't like this stuff. He said, Brian, that's such a small little thing. Is it really that small or does it convey my heart? That when I do that, is that not conveying my own sin nature? Am I still struggle? That I need to submit every thought, every feeling to the things of Jesus? To me, I want to make sure that every thought, every feeling, every idea that comes to my mind is in honor of him and that I'm loving my neighbor regardless of how it is that they treat me. No matter what it is they say about me. No matter how they respond or react to anything that I do or say, and friends, I am a work in progress and I am not there. By nature, I'm a dude that wants to fight back. By nature, I'm one who wants to smack talk back. I want to win. But I don't want to live by my nature. I want to live according to the ways that Jesus says we're supposed to live and so love my neighbor. Every single person created in the image of God is my neighbor. Regardless of what they think or feel or what they believe or what religion they hold to, every single person is my neighbor and I'm supposed to care and love for them. And I might not agree with them and I might look at the pages of scripture and go, you're not living according to truth. You don't have a relationship with Jesus to not then jump into judgment over them, but a desire to see them come into fellowship with Jesus and realize that maybe I am the best representation of Christ that that person will have that day or for their whole life. You say, Brian, that's a lot of pressure. That's not a lot of pressure if you're just doing it because you love God. It's one thing, just love him. When I find myself jumping to a judgmental attitude, friends, loving a person doesn't mean I have to accept every single thing about them. That doesn't make any sense, does it? I would never look at a little one and say, well, I know you're doing something stupid that could be harmful, but I love you, so I'll just let you keep doing it. But we do that as we get older. It means that, hey, I love you enough, and I'll tell you the truth the most loving way and gracious way that I can, and after we have that conversation, and hopefully you'll still respect me because I was willing to tell you the truth, and I still respect you, and after that, we're going to go play some golf because that will really show whether or not you love Jesus also. Maybe I'll still be your friend and you could, I could be your friend and I could just love you because I love Jesus and I love you. And followers of Jesus, what if that's what we were known for most? That we hold the truth and we share truth in grace. We, we live in that weird dichotomy, that weird middle of grace and truth. And we don't just say, hey, this is what you think and feel. Therefore, I'm jumping in your bandwagon so you feel better about you. No, no, I don't care if people feel better about themselves. I want them to come to Christ so they can feel better about what God thinks of them. It's looking through the pages of scripture, the beginning of it. Guys, we broke the whole thing. We are sinful to the core. And by the grace of God, he came for us. He loves us. He says, I just want you to love me. Love me with everything you got. And I want you to love people. 
says these are the two greatest commandments. And then isn't it great that verse 32, the scribe looks at the creator of the universe. He looks at the guy who wrote the commandments and he says, you are right, teacher. As if Jesus is sitting going, oh, thank goodness I got it right. Oh, I passed the test. But isn't it amazing that this man calls him what? Teacher. Friends, if Jesus is only teacher, you won't give your life for the teacher, but you'll give your life for the Lord. You have to make sure that he's Lord of your life, not just your instructor. He says, teacher, yeah, you're right. You've truly said that he is one and there's no others besides him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all the strength and to love one's neighbors, oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that, he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Then after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Don't ask him. He gets it right every time. Guys, that's why in our mission statement it says, we're going to be a church that loves God and loves people. It comes from the scriptures. It comes from what Jesus said. Just love God with everything you have and love other people. And to love them means we look for opportunities. We engage. We take the initiative that we go across the street or we go next door something, anything that we can do to show love to people that might be an avenue to the next part that we'll get into in just a second. But we actively engage people, culture, society, loving God, loving people, not just sitting waiting for the opportunities to come to us. We go to them. And where does that come from? We go to them. Why do I go to them? Why can't I just wait for God to miraculously bring them to me? Because we take, we take our cues from what Jesus did. That Jesus came to us and because he came to us to redeem us and to bring us in relationship with God, then we, his church, are called to do the exact same thing, to go to people individually, corporately, individually in your neighborhoods, getting your home churches together and doing things that would impact communities or smaller communities, or maybe as a whole church community, do something. And we just, but never always waiting for an event. No, no, no. Just every day, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to love? How do you want me to impact? Who can I reach? Who can I speak with? Who can I pray with? Follow his lead. Friends, we have values as a church. We're gonna go through these real quick. Here's our values. A couple years ago, I, I preached on each one each week. I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna go through each of them. The first is this. We will be a gospel-centered community. Guys, I'm convinced that the, the gospel is more than just John 3.16. It's the whole book. I think from cover to cover, this is the gospel. This is the good news, the great news. of This is the good news of great joy. Guys, this whole thing is his gospel. We will be about his gospel. We will be a community who will stay focused on the scriptures. This is the main way that God speaks to us, convicts us, encourages us. Guys, it's us spending time with him. We will look in the pages of the Bible unapologetically. I will never apologize for God as if he's the weird member of the family. I will never look at his page, the pages of scripture and go, yeah, I know that it doesn't, fit with this, it doesn't fit with our culture today, but this is God. He's kind of an old guy. He's an old-fashioned guy. Guys, I'd rather be old-fashioned the way that God wants me to live than to keep up with the current trends of a culture that has nothing to do with him. Because just maybe the God who created life knows how it's supposed to be lived. And some of the things that God calls us to do and how, we're, how he calls us to live will not fit in with our preferences or what we're comfortable with. 
Because at some point we have to confess he is always right. And if he's always right, then my preferences, my opinions, my comforts need to be brought into submission to the throne of the God who created everything. Because if it's not that, then my expectation is that he come off the throne and submit to me as if I belong sitting there. He's God. He declares what's righteous and unrighteous. He declares what's good and what's evil. And we come under his lordship, his mastership, because he's God. How do I know his will? We're gospel-centered. We look in the pages and God, teach us Teach us, show us what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to be like. But ultimately, God, just show us more of who you are. We're a gospel-centered community. We're a worshiping community. We come together on, worship, on Sunday mornings for a worship gathering, absolutely. And then when we leave here, every single thing that we do is worship as unto God. But in order to be worship God, I have to be thinking that this is worship of God. To sit there and go... I'm breathing right now, and that's worshiping the Lord. It takes no effort. Maybe for some it does. But like the fact I inhaled, I didn't think about it. People are like, I'm blinking. I'm worshiping the Lord with my blinks. Not true. Just the fact that I'm alive means I'm worshiping. That's not true. Worship of God means I'm going to be thoughtful. God, right now, I'm going to bring you glory. Right now, I'm going to do what pleases you. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to take these steps so that I'm worshiping you. So yes, we come together and we worship in the community. And then we're going to go out. We're going to worship God. We're going to figure out ways that will please him and impact people because that's worship of him. Because our lives are a holy offering to him. We'll be in a, we, will be, we will be a praying community. Because we believe that prayer changes things. We believe that God responds to prayer. And how beautiful it is that God even allows us to pray. We can bring every single thing, every request to God. And he hears it and he knows it. He knows it before we speak it. And yet he still wants to hear it. Guys, I had talked to so many people. I don't know if you noticed this. I talked to so many people. And then as I'm talking and telling them a story, I sit there and the thought comes to my mind. Oh, crud, I think I told them this. But they don't seem like they had, like I have they seem really interested, so I'm going to keep going. And then at the end, of I had, I've had some say, yeah, you told me that already. Okay. So I just wasted both of our lives. You could have told me that when I started. You realize that God has never said that to you? He's never said that to me. I love the prayer app that I found and that I've told you about because I've gotten to pray. Like it's helped me focus in on prayer. And a lot of them become repetitive. I've been praying, surely I've been praying for you every day. I've been praying every day. It's just been coming up going, oh God, would you help her? Physically just help her. I've been praying for Hank. As if he's never bored. He doesn't sit there and go, Brian, you told me that already. Because he could. Brian, I already knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that before time began. Oh, great. So why am I talking to you at all? Maybe it's just because he wants us to talk to him. He wants us to speak to him. He wants us to be with him. Friends, we will be a praying community. We will trust him as we pray. We'll be a confessional community. 
means we're gonna be a community that confesses to God our, our weaknesses and how we've screwed up and messed up. We're gonna confess to him, we're gonna confess to one another because there's healing according to the James chapter five, there's healing when I confess my sins to others. But we're gonna confess, we're gonna agree with God. We're not gonna just again, hey, it's just me and God, it's just me and you can confess to him, but we're actually gonna apply it to other people. We're gonna confess to one another, we're gonna build one another up. For those that say I'm individualistic, aren't we all? I mean, is it natural? Do you walk up to the first person you meet and think, hey, how are you? Hey, I'm just doing the worst ever. If you knew what I was thinking about you when you came up, oh, you would hate my guts. In fact, let me tell you. We're all pretty individualistic, right? That's why when we get home, we're hoping that nobody's outside because if somebody's outside, neighbor's outside, you have to talk to them. No one's ever pulled in the driveway, saw a neighbor, they, they didn't see you, still in the car, and you kind of wait until they go inside. No one's ever done that, right? And then they go inside, and you're like, praise the Lord. I pray for them, God, would you bless them? <laughs> bless them from a distance. Bless, bless their whole house. Bless their house. Never done that, right? Friends, we are a confessional community because we're called to be in community. We'll also be a repentant community. It's one thing to tell God, I'm sorry, this is sin. It's another thing to look at God and say, I'm gonna change to turn away from sin and turn to Jesus as often as we need to. As often as we need to. We'll be a redemptive community. That means, hey, we're gonna restore people. Guys, the church is a restorative community. We're not a cancel culture. That's big today. That is not what the scriptures teach. That is not what the church is. For those that look and say, hey, once and done, screw up, you're gone. Guys, that's not what the Bible says. And aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't treat you like that? So at what point should you take his role as Lord of the universe? Pull back, friend. We'll be a generous community. We're gonna look for ways to care for people, give to people. We're gonna look for ways to impact community, just be generous. Why? Because for God so loved the world that he gave. We're gonna be a missional community. We're all on mission together. Every day we're gonna wake up going, God, what do you want us to do? What's today? What do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? We're gonna be a disciple-making community. We're gonna be a disciple-making community. That's the thing that Jesus told us as a church we're supposed to do. So we're gonna close with this. Matthew chapter 28, starting verse 16. says this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I've said this before, I'm gonna say it again. I'm so thankful that that part is in there. It blows my mind that it's in there though. Here's Jesus who was dead, still has his scars from his crucifixion. He's standing before these people. He's speaking to them and some are sitting just worshiping him and others are sitting there going, is that really him? Is that really him? I think it might just look like him. You know, those long-haired guys, as if he had long hair. All those long-haired, they just look the same. Isn't it amazing that some worship, but some doubted? And maybe for some of you, this is the perfect description of you. Or this is the perfect description of you and your family. That some in your family are worshiping the Lord, and some are doubting. Or maybe in this room, some of you are worshiping the Lord, but some of you are in that season of doubt. 
And I just want to encourage that Jesus still is in the presence of those who worshiped him and those who doubted. For those who are in a season of doubt, hang in there. Hang in there. Give him your doubts. Talk to him about your doubts. Instead of using your doubts as a reason to run from him, go to him with all your doubts because at no point he's sitting there going, I hope they don't ask that one. Not afraid of doubts. He welcomes them. Why? Because doubts that are answered strengthen faith. Doubts that are answered, sorry. Doubts that I just had to clear my throat. Doubts that are answered build your faith. So go to them with your doubts rather than using them for an excuse to actually do what you wanted to do in the first place. <clears throat> goes on to say, verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There's the mission, friends. That's it. That's what we're supposed to do. Why should I? Because he has all authority. How much authority? In heaven and on earth. In other words, in all the universe, he has it all. It all belongs to him. He says there, and that's what he says, therefore, because I have all the might, all the right, therefore, go and make disciples. And I know that in our English language, we look at that word go, and it means, it, it is a what? It's a verb. Guys, in the original language, this is actually what it says. Therefore, because he has all the might, all the right, therefore, in your coming and in your going, make disciples. That's literally what it says. That's what the Greek says. It's not, hey, get up, and you gotta go. No, Every day in your coming and in your going, you go to the supermarket, you're looking around, God, who's the one? Who's the one? You're pumping gas, God, is there someone? Is there someone here? Unless it's the Costco line, because you're just hoping that nobody get, ticks you off because you're already frustrated because the line's so long. Maybe not here, but anywhere you go, in my coming and in my going, God, what do you want me to do? Rather than it's only one specific time, one specific place, man, we're gonna pray it up, we're gonna hit a mission trip for two weeks, and we're gonna come around, come home and just sit. In your coming and in your going, every day, who is God calling you to impact? What is God calling you to do? In other words, friends, your mission field starts in your zip code. Wherever you are is where God has called you, placed you to be a missionary for his kingdom. My prayer for you is that the first thought that comes to your mind, if it is this, but Brian, I can't. Ah, push that to the side. Brian, I'm not a preacher. Okay. Friends, some of you guys have some jobs where you are with people all the time. Some of you guys have jobs where you see the worst of the worst of the worst of people. And for those first responders, I always say this, thank you for your service. Thank you for your care and your concern, the desire to serve communities that are hard. And there's not enough thanks that goes to you. But let me tell you this. God has ordained for you for those positions to be a light for his kingdom. As you protect a neighborhood, as you protect a city, you are now a light for the kingdom to make an impact on people. And he's gifted and ordained you for that specific purpose that I can't do. That is not how I'm wired 
I thought I was. I'll growing up, that's what I thought I'd be doing. I'm not. I'm not that guy. So thank you. God has called you to do that. Parents, God has called, anointed, and appointed you to raise your kids, to put kindling around their hearts and to disciple them. So when the Holy Spirit sets it aflame, it just goes like gangbuster. Your greatest calling, parents, is to love your kids and to disciple them to Jesus. To show them what it looks like to love Jesus. To bypass that calling to go and to minister to other people while at the neglect of that first one. At no point does God now applaud that. You disciple them first. You love them first. Welcome to your calling. For those in the medical profession, you have a calling that God has called you to meet people who are terrified of what it is that they're facing, or they're hurt and they can't move like they used to, and they're freaking out. Welcome, friends, followers of Jesus who are in that profession. You should be showing them. This is the difference that Jesus makes. I could just treat you like a patient, or I could love you like a person. Oh, when all of a sudden you take what it is that God has gifted you to do and called you to do in that place, and you connect it to a God-given, kingdom-driven mission, Oh, every day's a mission. Those in education, thank you for pouring into our little ones. Not a whole lot of thanks. I don't know who a lot of, like, can you, I, I feel like teachers, and here we say, okay, the homework for tonight is you hear this. Thank you so much. I just want to say, I love homework. In fact, I was going to tell you, you didn't give me enough yesterday. There's like one kid that does that in about 10 years. For those of you, thank you. And thank you for being a light. For the sake of Jesus. And as you do that, I know there's not a lot of thanks. But realize, and I'm convinced of this, the applause of heaven is deafening. Friends, I know I, there's no way I can get through every single thing that people are involved in. Business owners, thank you. Thanks for providing. Thanks for having a business that I pray that you're doing in a way that's honoring to Jesus. God, and guys, in all these things, he's called us in our coming and our going to make disciples. In our coming and our going to make disciples. The only verb in that, in that commission is make. And what do we make? Disciples, pupils, learners, followers of Jesus. That's what we make. That's what we're supposed to do. And then what do we do? Then we baptize and we just dunk them. Just dunk them under some water and hold them down until the sin gets out. <laughs> you know that happens when the bubbles are done. Then you pull them back real quick. That last sin has been confessed and you're set. Why do we baptize? Why do we do it? Just because we just want to be in a pool? Or a jacuzzi? That's my preference. Like, is that why we do it? No, because we, we are connecting ourselves to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's a symbolic thing that when I go under the water, I'm dying to my old life. And as I come out, I'm resurrected to the life of Christ. I'm saying I'm all in. 
I'm giving up that, and I'm turning to what it is that Jesus wants. That I'm showing you that God has done this great, incredible work in my life. That when I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and received a gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit of God came into me. That my identity changed in that moment to be connected with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. In other words, friends, we're just telling the people, we're telling everyone around us we've been changed. We've been changed and I'm all in for Jesus. That's what he's saying. I want you to make sure that people are all in for me and baptize them. Yeah, that's why we physically baptize people. And then teach them to obey. Oh, there's that word. No one likes to be told what to do, right? Amen? Only one. At least he's being honest. Friends, the reason God has to give commandments is why? Because we don't want to do what he says. And the reason he has to keep reminding it is because we don't want to do what he says. There's things we struggle with, right? Yes, absolutely. And so we're supposed to teach people to obey the things of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said this, I know those who love me by those who what? Obey my commandments. Friends, to say that you love Jesus without obeying his commandments means that you're a liar. Does it mean you'll never struggle or disobey? No, doesn't mean that. But to claim that you love Jesus while not obeying, specifically in your mind going, I am not going to obey these things that I know to be true. You are not loving him in that moment. You can't say you love him in that moment. That's why we're gonna be a confessional community. That's why we're gonna be a repentive community, a repentant community actually. Jesus says, I know those who love me by those who obey. We're going to teach people to obey. We're going to teach each other how to obey him. Say, Brian, that's huge. How are we going to do this? How do we get the whole world? What if we just start with our world? What if we just start around here? And then when God calls people to go in different places, we're going to support the crud out of them. We're going to help send them. They're going to come back and tell us what they did. Or what if they just stay there forever? Like that's where God calls them to go. Now I'm convinced that nobody else in this room is supposed to move. I'm just telling you this. I just feel it, feel it in my heart. I'm just joking. Wherever God calls you to go is where God calls you to go. And this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna send you out. We're gonna pray you out. And if there's something you can do to support, we're gonna do that because God is sending you to a different zip code to make that your mission field. Wherever that is. But what if we just start right here where we are? And then as God does greater and greater things, he's going, it's getting too much, it's getting too much. Here's the final word of encouragement. Here it is, Ready? And here's what Jesus said to him as I'm starting to think they're thinking the same thing. Oh, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I don't think, even those who were doubting, is that really him? I still can't tell. Guys, if a person is standing there from the dead and he still has all his scars and at the end he's like, I want you to do this, do this. Yes, sir. Oh, this is big. How are we going to, and then Jesus comes back and goes, I'll be with you to the end of the age. If I jacked up death, yeah, I got you. Friends, we're unstoppable. We can't lose. We can't lose. We keep moving forward little by little by little and let God do the miraculous things. That's all we have to do. We're gonna love God with everything we got. We're gonna love people. 
We're going to be this community that how, how I pray. Others around go, what is it about your church? You guys are so, I mean, you're weird. You're so weird in how you care for people and love people. I just cussed you out and you're loving me back like you gave me a hug. Guys, may we become that community because that's the church. That's what the church is supposed to be. And as we become people who love God with everything and love people, and then we live on mission to go make disciples rather than passively waiting for God to bring about the revival, we will engage what it is that God has called so we will be part of the revival. It cannot be just us sitting around in a lazy boy Oh, God, please bring revival. Bring, bring revival. Bring revival. First some Doritos, but then revival. Oh, I trust you, God, for the revival. And God's there going, revive. Church, go. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. What's holding us back? Friends, we're going to see the revival. Bring the revival. If we want to see it, bring it. We have him. That's all we need to share, Jesus. Love God, love people, make disciples who make disciple makers. As the worship team comes back up, I ask you again, will you commit to this? Ignite City Church, will you commit to this again? There's nothing new. And the next time I bring it, probably next year, I'll probably say something about it again. It'll be the exact same thing. Love God, love people, make disciples. Year after that, love God, love people, make disciples. Brian, that's not very innovative. I don't care. Because it's right and it's Jesus Innovation sometimes can be a little bit uh, overrated when it's at the expense of the simplicity of what Jesus has called us to do. Love God, love people, make disciples who make disciple makers. That's it. We're gonna hang out together. We're gonna love each other. We're gonna care about each other. We're gonna worship together. We're going to commit ourselves daily to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the fellowship and prayer. We're going to do those things because Acts 2 showed that's what the church did. And we're going to trust God with the increase. God is going to save daily those, decide daily those who will be saved. We're just going to do our part. We're going to plant and water. He's going to cause the growth. And we're going to be effective because God is always effective. And so we'll be his church. That's what I want for us. Because I think that's what God wants for us. Let me pray as we, go, as, we, as we close up and as we go back in this last song of worship, let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you call us to simplicity. It's not always easy, God, but it's simple to love you with everything, to love people, to make disciples. God, I thank you that you're with us, the valleys, the mountaintops, I thank you that you're, in, you're with us when we make the mistakes, when we sin. I thank you that you call us back into intimacy with you, that you've given us the beauty of confession and repentance. Father, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you came for us. And now, God, I pray that you'd renew in us, revive in us your church, that we would be, that we would be disciples of Jesus who would go and make disciples of Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you help us to love God in a manner worthy of God? Would you help us to love people as you love people? Would you help us, God, to make followers, learners, pupils of the gospel in Jesus? Father, I thank you that as I ask those things, I don't have to wonder if you will. I thank you that you will. 
and that Holy Spirit, you will give us your power. Oh, Holy Spirit, make it so evident. Make it so evident of your presence. As we sing this last song to you, Jesus, you're worthy and worth. You are so worthy of our worship. And so God, in this time, we thank you that we've had that. And as we sing to you, to you be all the praise, all the glory and all the honor for you alone are worthy, Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of Christ's disciples say, amen. amen. Love you all more than you know.